Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Have you ever thought seriously about the Lord Jesus Christ, His person, and His claims? Well, we hope so. Anybody who thinks seriously about life, death, and eternity would have to consider the only person who takes on these kinds of issues seriously. Issues that matter most. Questions like, who is this person who claims to be the way, the truth, and the life? Who declares that no one can come to the Father except through Him? The contemporaries of the Lord Jesus asked the very same questions, and here's one. Where is he? That is, how can we find him in our world today? And most importantly, there are two more questions you would do well to ask. What do you think of him? And what will you do with him? You see, you can't remain neutral when it comes to Christ. He demands your accurate and unbiased assessment, and he demands that you act on that assessment. So don't be afraid to ask questions about Christ. He wants you to. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Gaius Goff takes up the four questions that people ask about the Savior. And we hope that you will consider each one carefully. I'm going to read in the book of Matthew. And we're going to read four questions in the book of Matthew. The first is in chapter 2. The Lord, when he was here... Quite a lot of times he asked people questions. And the reason is, is because he didn't want people to remain neutral or without coming to conclusions or making decisions. He asked questions because it's important that people act on what God says. Now the first one is here in chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So the first question I'll be speaking to you about is in chapter 2. Where is he? See, the wise men knew who he was, but they didn't know where he was. Turn over to chapter 21. Verse 9, And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? The first question, where is he? They knew who he was, but they didn't know where to find him. The second one, they knew where he was, but they didn't know who he was. Now turn over to chapter 22 and verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. So where is he? Who is he? What do you think of him? I'm you. A final reading just over a couple of pages to chapter 27 And we'll read it, verse 21. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither are the 
two will you that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. So the four questions I want to speak to you about, where is he? Who is he? What do you think of him? And what will you do with him? See, because you've got to make some kind of conclusion. You can't just drift through life and think everything is going to ultimately work out. It's going to get worse. Our world is going to get worse. Our human natures are not getting any better with all the technology and all the wonders that seem to be helping people live longer. It doesn't seem to make anybody better. I was just heard a man say today that there were more wars in the last century than there has been in the history of mankind in the 100 years. And now we're sure getting off to a bad start in this one. And I say to myself, what in the world has gone wrong with us? And we've got plenty to eat. we got homes to live in. There's all kinds of things that are pluses, and yet we're become negatives. What's gone wrong? Well, we forgot the basics. That you and I were made for God. Not for being materialist. Not for being atheists. Not for being selfish people. You and I were made for God. And unless we get in touch and in connection with God and live for God, we're going to miss the whole reason for our being. We're going to end up in hell. But I want to make that clear to you. This is not some little fairy tale you and I are living in. We're living in an ungodly age, in an ungodly world, and all of us are ungodly people. Don't judge ourselves by other people and the things that they do. So, what's the answers? Well, I'm going to ask you a question. Where is he? He's referring to Jesus. Where is Jesus in your life? See, a lot of people, uh, they keep him for Sundays. You know, and, and oh, they might give thanks for the food if the family is there. So they keep him for Sundays and like Thanksgiving or different times like that. They keep him around just sort of on the sidelines to pour gravy when the difficulties arise at the meal table or, or if we're sick or our husbands or wives or our children are in the hospital. Then they got a chapel down the hallway there where we can go down and we can connect with God down there in the emergencies. That's what a lot of people do. By the way, if ever you want to get a talk with some people, go to those hospital chapels. You'll find there's people down there pacing the floor. And the reason is because they're looking for God. The emergency struck. Things go wrong and you pass 20 years old and you're passing 30. And you might even get towards 40 and you realize that life is drifting by and I've got nothing to show for these years of life except a few dollars in the bank, a car to drive, and children who don't come home. Where is he in your life? Is he out there like a relief pitcher in the bullpen in case things go wrong? These men were wise. They read the Bible and they found out that somebody was going to be born who was God in human flesh. And he was coming into the world. And he was coming to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And if they kept reading the New Testament, they would find that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 
And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to pay for us that were under the law, so that we could be his sons and daughters. Now, isn't that good news? Why, I tell you, I got two adopted grandchildren. Love them dearly. No different to me than the other grandchildren. But one came from an orphanage in Kazakhstan. And one came from a real bad, messed up home. The mother died of cancer at 37. And the father wasn't even in the picture. And I've often thought, I wonder where my grandson would be. Because over there, when they get to a certain age, they put them out in the street, 16, and you've got to go for your own. And my granddaughter. But this I know, that God in mercy sent his son. And so the Bible says he's not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And the Bible says he's near unto all that call on him out of a pure heart. And the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, he's near you here tonight every day of your life. The Lord Jesus is close enough to hear the call of a repentant sinner when they go the wrong course and they say, Lord, help me, please help me now. And he's there to answer. And that's why you're still alive. But more than that, he's waiting for somebody to come in faith and accept him as their Savior and Lord. So where is he in your life? But not only that, I begin to think about people who say, I don't believe in God. There's a park down there that you can run across people there that want to talk. And some of them are way off the wall. I mean, (laughs) but at the same time, they're willing to admit who they are. And that's not very common for the up and up people. But when people get down to where there's nothing more, they're looking up to see the bottom, then oftentimes you can pass a little word of hope along to them. That you know, you have been loved by God. You've been loved by God. And you know how he showed that? Well, not just because you're alive here, but one day he sent Jesus. And here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to pay the full price of our sin with his life. I can recall one night after a gospel meeting, a girl came over to the door and and I said, how's it tonight? She said, well, she said, I don't want to go home unless I'm saved. I said, is that right? I said, you want me to help you a little bit, show you some things from the Bible? And she said, oh, please, would you? We were reading the scriptures, and I was surprised how quickly she grasped the fact that she didn't have to do a lot of sins to be a sinner. She was a sinner because she was born one. It was in her nature. She didn't try to do wrong. She was like all the rest of us. It's just part of our being. And we go downhill, and the farther we go, the harder it gets to get back. But I said, what does the Bible say here that Christ has done for sins? Wages of sin is death. She read, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that means that you've got a problem, a sin problem. What is it? Well, separates me from God. What did Christ do for your sins? And then we read other verses. First Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree so that we would be separated from our sins from now on and live for God. And also Christ suffered for sins, the just 
for the unjust to bring us to God. The Lord laid on him, the Bible says, the iniquity of us all. And then he started to suffer what you and I would have endured forever. And he was wounded for our transgressions, our sins. And he was bruised for our iniquities, our sins. And the chastisement of our peace that we needed to get clear of our sins was put on him. And with his stripes we're healed. And she said to me, she said, that means that if he died for my sins and suffered for my sins, then I won't have to. I said, you got it exactly. She thought, oh my, isn't that too easy? I said, how else would you like to add to it? What do you think you could do that would make it better? I said, if somebody does something for you that's really good, what do you do? Oh, she said, I'd thank him. Well, I said, do you think maybe the Lord might like to hear you thank him? Oh, she said, you mean he would hear me? I said, definitely. And she didn't close her eyes. She just stood there and she said, Lord Jesus, thank you for taking my sins so that I don't have to suffer for them. And the Lord saved her that moment. It's interesting what she's done with her life. She's a grown woman now. She's been going back and forth to India for years, getting little children off the streets of Calcutta and of Delhi and bring them to North America, to Christian homes. And she's a gem of a lady because she understood that when a person does something for her like Jesus did, then out of love for him, she wants to serve him. Not to make herself a Christian, but because she is a Christian. And that's the way it would be with you. Who is this person anyway? Who is this person that we're talking to you about? Why, he's God in human flesh. He was here in this world, full of grace and full of truth. And he was really here, found in fashion as a man, the Bible says. It's a great mystery, but it happened. God was in Christ, the Bible says, reconciling the world to himself, bringing us to him. And so the way it happened, that God knew that we couldn't penetrate the sin barrier between us and him, so he sent his own son. He was God in human flesh, miraculously conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And for over 30 years, a holy person lived in this world over in the country of Israel. And back and forth he went, and people watched him. And even when it came time for him to bear our sins in his body on the cross, even the judge had to say, time after time, I find no fault in this man. Because Jesus didn't sin. He was God in human flesh. And as God, he was willing to assume full responsibility as a man for you and me. And so people sometimes just thought of him as the carpenter. And others thought of him as uh, Joseph's son. But when he came into this city, the word goes out, Who is this? And they said, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. If the person coming into that city was the Lord Jesus Christ, God from heaven, come to put away your sins and mine by the sacrifice of himself. They'd watched the things that he did. They heard the things that he said. 
And nobody could find anything wrong. Why? Because there wasn't anything. That's why he was acceptable to God as your substitute. For all of the sins that you and I have committed, God was willing to accept him as the one who would take your place. Substitution is a wonderful, wonderful thing. There's a song. It goes, there was one who was willing to die in my place. That a soul so unworthy might live. And the path to the cross he was willing to tread. All the sins of my life to forgive. You wonder why I love him? And why you should? Because he gave everything he had. I preached with a man years ago and used to say sometimes to the people, especially if he had a big crowd, he'd say, ladies and gentlemen, it would be far easier for God to have made a solid gold world for every one of us and stud it with diamonds than to give his own son to die on the cross for your sins. But that was what was needed. And that's what Jesus did. Who is this? The only Savior. So what do you think of him? Really, honestly, what do you think of him? I've asked that to a lot of people, and I might even ask you tonight. We happen to have a little chat. I might say, what do you think of Christ anyway? Well, see, some people think of the Lord Jesus as only a man. I know him as the Almighty God. You know why? Because that's what the Bible says. He is God Almighty. And others think of him as a moral force. Keeps everybody kind of from being total animals. But others of us think of him as a personal Savior. And that's what I think of him. Because that's what the Bible says. He's the God-man who was willing to assume responsibility for our sins. And I do, because that's what the Bible says. And others think of Christ as a martyr, and they cry on Easter. There's people in the Philippines that have themselves actually crucified with nails in their hands and feet, trying to earn favor with God. They think Jesus was like a martyr. But I believe that he's a sacrifice for my sins and yours. Because that's what the Bible says. And then there's other people think that he's a great teacher. The teachings of the Sermon on the Mount and all the other things he said were, were absolutely marvelous teachings. But others of us believe that he's the source of our life and our hope and our eternal future. Because that's what the Bible says. He said to a lady not very long ago, she's well up, well, she's in her 90s. I said to her, I said, what do you think of Christ? And she smiled. She was on one of those walkers and things, and she leaned up her walker and she said, how much time you got? She said, I'd like to tell you how I love him. And she said, I, I love him with all my heart. I thank him every day. I like to read about him in the Bible. I like to just sit in my chair and think about him. And sometimes when I'm not feeling very well, I don't hardly stop talking to him the whole day because he is my Lord. What do you think of Christ? Well, that's not the end. There's one more question I have to ask you. Not where is he? Because he is near to everyone that calls on him out of an honest heart. Who is he? He's God in human flesh. What do you think of him? Nobody can answer that but you. Now, the final one is, what shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? The man we read about knew he was innocent, knew 
He was different than anybody else that ever stood before him. But the Bible says he was willing to content the people. And so for friendship's sake, he sent Jesus out to die. Now what would you do? We come to this place in our life, like on this map, where you're right at that door. That's the map of your life. And you come to that door, and Jesus is saying, I'm the door. By me, if any man enter in, he'll be saved. So that's where you are, really. You're right where that door is. And he says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he says, him that comes to me, I will no wise cast out. And he says, I'm standing at the door. And if you'll open that door, I will come in to you. So, what will you do with Jesus? So what do you think about Christ? And what will you do with him? It's time for a decision, my friend. Jesus Christ came into the world, and he stands before you in all of his beauty and perfection. And he has willingly paid the price for sin and satisfied the justice of God. He calls you to come to him for salvation. Do you doubt his character and credentials? Read the Gospels. Do you have a problem trusting him for your soul's salvation? Read his word. Get a Bible and read it carefully, and you'll find a wonderful Savior full of grace and truth waiting to give you life. Answer these four questions for yourself today, won't you? Who is Christ? What do you think of him? Where can I find him? And what will I do with him? Your eternity depends on how you answer these questions. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.